3: strange familiars. Riddle me this, Allison. Yes. How are you doing tonight?
4: I'm doing well, but I wanted to say hello to everyone who wasn't feeling very well and just tell them that it's temporary and that if you're listening to this and you're feeling sick, you'll be better soon.
3: Are you talking about a Omicron thing? Are you talking about mental or both? Maybe both. Uh, yeah.
4: yeah. Omicron, like Delta and Omicron, they sound like parts of like a sorority or fraternity you don't want to be involved.
3: <laughs> Yeah, no one. Like, no one wants to join I that. I don't
4: want to rush Delta Delta Omicron. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, and no one wants to join that one.
4: I think that's one where they just
3: choose it chooses you. It's like skull and bones. So tonight we're going to be talking with CJ who's got Bigfoot encounters and spirit contact. And a little bit later we're going to be talking with Jesse who has another one of these disembodied legs encounters.
4: I didn't know that this was going to be an ongoing
3: I'm happy to get the disembodied legs accounts, but I'm kind of sad that they've overtaken Bunny Man. Mm-hmm. We need more Bunny Man accounts.
4: And then I think somewhere in a parallel universe, someone has like the disembodied tops to all these disembodied legs. It's happened.
3: I mean, there's been accounts of it, you know, where people.
4: We don't tend to see people without legs running by, right? Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. How do, know. P- how, do how do spirits without?
3: Well, I think the idea that with the disembodied legs and the the torso with no legs, is that the other parts are there. We're just not seeing them somehow. I, that's the way I read it anyway. I could be wrong. I mean, who
4: knows? Who knows? So this is kind of like the, like, you remember on Sesame Street, <laughs> they'd do that black light thing where sometimes they'd have, like, people dress all in black and then they'd have, like, hands that, like, gloves that were fluorescent oh, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So it's like that. So, like, the whole thing's there, but you're only seeing part of it.
3: I mean, that's the way I read it. I mean, I could be totally wrong. But my idea is that if you had a baseball bat that could hit paranormal things, whatever they are, Mm -hmm. and you saw these disembodied legs walking by and you took a swing at the torso, you you would hit something. Mm. You just can't see it. But I could be wrong. I mean, who
4: knows? You just want a Thor's hammer.
3: I really do. (laughs) I do. My buddy showed me these. It's for working out. My buddy Mark showed me. And they're like big, heavy rubber hammers that you swing around to exercise with. And I I had some serious Thor fantasies. I was like, I could do that instead of weights. (laughs) And I knew that would be your reaction. Precisely why I haven't ordered one yet, because of that reaction there. This isn't like the
4: great shake weight
3: debacle. (laughs) I mean, you could shake it, I (laughs) see. But it's just a big rubber hammer. It's like a cartoon hammer, basically, the size of these things.
4: But it's exercise equipment.
3: Yeah, because it's off-balance, I guess. It's kind of the idea of, like, kettlebells, you know, and you—whatever. I'm not a uh, fitness trainer, believe it or not. Before we get to our stories with CJ and Jesse, I want to mention that Department of Truth number 15 has been released, and I did a store variant cover for that for Riverbend Comics. It's technically a Riverbend Comics exclusive, You can get it from Riverbend Comics. They have signed copies. I signed a bunch of them there at Riverbend the other day. I think the signed editions, I think they have two different packages. One comes with a trading card with more Mothman art that I did. And one comes with Monsters Under the Hospital Bed. Or you can just get it unsigned from them. And through a special deal with Riverbend Comics, we also have copies in our Etsy shop. But those would just be signed copies. They won't come with a trading card. If you're wondering where the best place to order it from, it's either us or Riverbend. It really doesn't matter. We are great friends with Riverbend, and we're happy whether you get it from them, and we're happy if you get it from us. Either way, however you want to do it. And I added prints of that image, that Mothman image, to our Etsy shop. 9x12 prints, full color. I love these prints that we've been getting done on 140-pound watercolor paper. I'm so happy with them. Super psyched. So happy, in fact, that I did another print. If you remember our Hans Trap episode right before Christmas? I did an illustration specifically for that episode, and I had the colorist I work with, Jesse Higgy, color that, and that is available as a print as well. Super excited about that. I love the way these colored prints look. All of that's new, and it's in our Etsy shop. Shop name, Lost Grave. But if you type in Strange Familiars, our stuff will come up. And Allison, you've been working on the Etsy shop as well.
4: Yeah, I've decided to just add all the photos that I've had in other places to our store instead of confusing things by having my own store.
3: (laughs) Having multiple locations and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's nice, and that way it's kind of all in one location. So you've greatly expanded the antique and vintage photos offering there.
4: Yeah, and I'm, I'm planning on doing a little bit each day, so.
3: So if you're looking for antique photos, and you probably are.
4: Yeah, I mean, who isn't, right?
3: Check out our Etsy shop for instant ancestors, quirky old photos, and curiosities of all sorts. We'll be mentioning it again later when we talk about the curiosity of the week. All right, so without further ado, let's start with CJ. Now, she has this really early Bigfoot encounter, which happened when she was so young, she actually said she isn't 100% sure it wasn't some sort of dream, but. She had nightmares for years and years about this, a a recurring nightmare about this. And then she has this other encounter later on, which was not a dream in no way. She was very much awake and she saw this creature and it kind of made her think, yeah, I don't think that earlier encounter was, was a dream at all. I think it was an actual encounter. Really, really interesting. She got a pretty good look at the creature. She describes it for us. And then she goes on to talk about the spirit contact she's had throughout her life, It starts in the same place she saw Bigfoot, though, which is interesting to me. But, uh, you know, are they related? Who knows? But she has these other encounters with these, you know, other things throughout her life. Let's go ahead and hear CJ's stories. Tonight we're talking with CJ, who has some really interesting stories to share with us, uh, including some Bigfoot stuff and some spirit visitations as well. How are you doing tonight, CJ? I'm
5: doing really well. Thank you.
3: Thanks for coming on Strange Familiars. Well, we got some stuff to cover here. Obviously, I'm I'm going to want to hit the Bigfoot stuff, but we can go chronological order or however you feel it's best to tell the stories.
5: That's great. Yeah. Chronological order starts with Bigfoot. So Just to give you a little background, I grew up in a very rural area in the Pacific Northwest, just south of Canada on the Idaho-Montana border. So very mountainous, very cold. And I grew up with uh, wood heat in our house. And so every summer, um, my dad and all of our family would go cut wood. And I remember one of my earliest memories is in the summertime, sitting in front of him on his motorcycle while he hunted wood. He wanted a specific kind. And so he'd have to go look for it in the summertime or the springtime. And so when summer hit, he could go cut it down and all that. So I remember I was probably three or four riding in front of him on the motorcycle. And I don't know if this is a dream or if this really happened or if it's... A nightmare from what transpired, but I had many nightmares for many years. And my mom would tell me about them as I grew older. So I know that she remembers them as well. But I remember standing on the road, the logging road, and my dad had told me that he was going to go up on the ridge and he saw what looked like a dead tree and he was going to walk up and see what it was. And he told me to stay where I was and I did. And I was probably just playing with rocks and sticks and stuff on the road. And I heard snapping and, and popping of wood. And lo- I looked up and stood up thinking I would see him coming down the ridge. But instead of seeing my dad, who was a big man, I saw a very tall creature who, you know, I know later on that what I was looking at was Bigfoot. But at that age, I didn't know what it was. It was just a monster. It was backlit, um, old growth trees, not a lot of brush, walking from my field uh, field of uh, vision from the left, um, going downhill to the right. And it turned and it looked at me and stayed at the same pace and just ignored me and kept on its way. And I don't remember my dad coming back. Um, That's the nightmare I had over and over and over again, that same scene replaying. Um, And my mom told me later on when I was older that I have dreams about a bear that would walk in the woods and I would end up in her bed a lot. My dad was gone um, for, for work a lot. And so I would end up in her bed. And she said the only way she could convince me to stay in my own bed is that if there was a bear in the woods and it wanted to get me, my dad would kill it. He would shoot it and I would be okay. And so I, trusting my dad at that age was like, okay, I'll be safe. I was with my dad he'll kill it if it tries to hurt me. So that was the first experience that I had, one of my earliest memories. And I don't know if it really happened right. or if it was a bad dream.
3: But it was this recurring dream you had. Right.
5: Mm-hmm. For years. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And do you ever, I mean, do, can you recall the dream yourself or just have your mom tell you telling you about the dream?
5: I can recall it. If I close my eyes... I can see it. I can see that it's early spring. I can see the light, the early morning light, you know, coming down at an angle through the trees. I remember the fear. I, I, I can see it if I close my eyes very, very easily.
3: Yeah, it's a very specific uh, recurring dream for a kid to have. You know, That, that doesn't mean it couldn't be a dream, certainly. But True. It, it does seem very specific.
5: Yeah, and I don't know. And there's no way to know. Well, a couple of years ago, I had an experience. Experience um, with a psychologist, I was in a therapy for something else. And they did a, I don't know what you would call it. Um, they don't put you in a hy- hypnotic state, but they, they um, put you in a relaxed state.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: And I, <laughs> that memory came up again in my mind. And, you know, subconsciously, it like floated up to the front. And um, I I thought that it was, you know, not even a big deal, and that I'd forgotten it. But, you know, I'm 41 years old now. And
2: it's
3: still, it's still there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's very interesting. Now, you said you remembered kind of riding in front of your father on the motorcycle. Do you think that is that part of the dream? Or is that an actual memory you have?
5: That's an actual memory for sure. I mean, it could have been in the dream, but
3: right, right.
5: I remember that motorcycle very well. <laughs> very well.
3: Yeah. Well, it's very, very interesting. It's very interesting. And something made a big impact on you, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, maybe, a, maybe you saw a TV show or something if, if we're going to be skeptical, but uh, it's very, very interesting. Again, very, very interesting that you would have that very specific dream again and again. Right.
5: Which leads me to think that it was more than a dream, but I'm not really sure.
3: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I would tend to think that as well, but yet, you know, we can't prove it certainly.
5: Right. Um, It brings up the question though, based on what I'm going to talk about next, people who usually see Bigfoot tend to see him more than once or She it um, more than once throughout their lifetime, or have multiple experiences. And I don't know if it's paranormal. I don't know what Bigfoot is, Um, but it certainly makes me wonder based on the other experiences I've had in my life. So fast forward, my parents we move out into the middle of nowhere. Um, I'm 12 years old, 13 years old. We're building a house. It's the kind of place where I mean. People don't live there year round. It's so hard to get in and out of, um, you have to have snow tires. You have to have chains. You have to have four wheel drive. You don't want to be stuck out there. Nobody lives out there year round, but my parents decided that they're going to do it. (laughs) We're the only people out there. Um, They're building a house. um, It's summertime. And there's a one room cab log cabin that we have like an A frame that we're all staying in. Um, No running water. There is electricity. Um, outhouse very primitive while we're building the house my younger brother and i we had nothing to do so we would spend all day running on the deer trails and playing hide and seek in the woods and just exploring and my parents had no idea where we were they knew we were around there's not much you know trouble you can get into (laughs) when you just have the great outdoors but we were playing hide and seek and we were probably being pretty loud and we'd been playing for hours and I was going uh, running downhill on a deer trail. And it was uh, a lot of brush. It was heavily wooded um, brush, you know, up to probably at 12 years old, probably up to my shoulders Mm
2: -hmm.
5: running downhill towards the lake. And I was watching my feet because um, there's big boulders in the way. And, you know, it's, it's narrow, single track deer trail. I don't want to trip and fall. And um, all of a sudden, I felt very uncomfortable, even though I had been in the woods for hours alone, hiding, waiting for my brother to find me. It was my turn to hide. So I was running to go find a spot and all of a sudden I felt very uncomfortable and the hair on the back of my neck stood up and I slowed down and I was looking around me. This all happened within probably 10 seconds, but it felt like it was very slow. I was very afraid all of a sudden, and I didn't know why I was afraid, but I knew I was afraid. And probably 20 feet in front of me, to my right, was a great big bull ponderosa pine, huge ponderosa pine. And standing up against the pine, as, as still as a stone, was a Bigfoot. Um, and going back as an adult to that same spot, it, going back and measuring about where I thought it was, it was probably close to nine feet, maybe ten feet at the most. Wow, it was very tall. In the light, um, it was dusk, so it looked black. I don't know if it really was black, but it looked black.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: I couldn't see eyes very well because it was standing up against the tree, and there was limbs crisscrossing in front of its body from other trees. But we made eye contact. I know I was looking at its face and I knew it was looking back at me. And I was just standing there in the middle of the trail. And I, you know, get this huge adrenaline rush. And I just knew I had to leave. Um, And it very easily could have killed me. All it would have to do is take two steps, you know, because, you know, they have huge span you know their leg span is huge it could have taken two steps and gotten me but it just stared at me and it didn't even move it was a male i could see its penis i I didn't smell anything i could see skin through its like where its knees would be i could see like skin is grayish skin through the hair scraggly like moss like moss hanging like it was like coarse hair it looked really coarse Mm -hmm. um I immediately, I don't know if it was mind speak or just terror, it was just leave now. And I, you didn't have to tell me twice. I turned to my right, pushing through the brush because that was the closest point from A to point A to point B to where my parents' um, property was. So I just pushed through the brush and it didn't follow me, it didn't get me, nothing happened. I made it to my parents' property and I was huffing and puffing and I went to go tell my dad and I didn't do it. I didn't tell my dad until I was about 20 years old because I didn't want to say it out loud. If I ignored it, if I I could talk myself out of it. If I didn't say anything to them, then it didn't really happen. Mm -hmm. I just talked to myself out of it. I didn't really see that. I was just scared. It's getting dark. You know, you were, you were alone on the trail. You just got spooked. But even when I go visit my parents, they're still there. When I go visit my parents and I have to walk outside at night, I, I'm nervous. I'm nervous to walk outside alone. So anyway, that's my other Bigfoot story.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So um, you said your father was a, was a big guy or is yes. a big guy. Mm-hmm. So you would have been, you know, familiar with tall people. So as you see this thing, you recognize as a kid, this is, this is bigger than dad, for instance. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. My
5: dad is six, five. Mm-hmm. He's a big guy. He's probably, you know, 270 pounds, really big.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, he was bigger than my dad,
2: mm-hmm.
5: way bigger than my dad.
3: So you could see like skin through the hair. So, so kind of black hair. Mm -hmm. And then you could see, did you say it was grayish skin? Yeah, it was kind of
5: grayish skin. I don't know if it was just, that's the color it was or if it was the fading light. Um, I could see clearly, but it was just kind of like at its knees, the hair wasn't as thick. Mm -hmm. It was more sparse. And so I could see the skin, but everywhere else it was pitch black.
3: Did you get to see hands or feet or anything?
5: Um I didn't look at hands. I didn't even look at the feet. I mm-hmm. kind of well I did see feet but they were under the brush, you know. Right. I mean but it was like um I was looking at my feet running down the trail and so when I slowed down and I started looking. It's like I kind of looked at its knees and went up from its knees up to where its head was and I passed, you know, its genitals and all that and it wasn't it wasn't even moving, but I could make out those features, but I couldn't make out eyes, even though I knew it was staring at me Yeah, yeah. (laughs) because I was staring right at it. Like I just knew we were looking right at each other, but I couldn't, there's no eye shine. There was no, there was no light shining on the eyes. Mm -hmm.
3: So was the whole face kind of in shadow.
5: Yes. The whole face was in shadow. Yes. And Mm -hmm. it had limbs from other, like another fur, a fur tree nearby like crossing in front of its body.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a a kind of an indelicate question, but I know people are going to be curious you mm-hmm. said you saw the penis was it proportional yes yes
5: mm-hmm. and it wasn't erect i know some people say like when they're upset they're like
3: <laughs> yeah i've heard i've heard witnesses
5: <laughs> they're excited right. or whatever and it wasn't mm-hmm. like that it was just standing there it wasn't even swaying i've heard other stories about the where they're swaying it wasn't swaying it was like standing like completely still and it was in proportion it wasn't i mean that's and not that i had a vast knowledge right, right. Of that yeah, stuff yeah. but yeah. Looking back as an adult, like it was proportionate for its body for sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Wow. So did this trigger the return of the nightmares at all? Or, um, or Yes. Nightmares?
5: I was very scared um, mm-hmm. and I'd have nightmares. Yeah. I had, I had nightmares for a while. I'm my, when, when our house was built, finished and we moved in, my room was in the basement and the basement was unfinished. Um, but they did have drywall up for just that that room. But everybody else was on the third floor. So I was very far removed from my family. And it made things worse for me.
3: Yeah. Because
5: I I, I was scared and the window, I mean it was a walkout basement and I didn't even have a door on my room on my room yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was just I was always afraid that right you know right out looking right up through my door um i could see the bay windows from the basement and there was also a big picture window in my bedroom and i was constantly just so terrified that whatever that was was looking at me while i was in my room
3: yeah so that leads me to my next question was there any strangeness around that property when you were growing up either you know at that time or or other times
5: no no other times i would never seen any lights I haven't seen any other strangeness but i did have parent i've had a lot of paranormal experiences with spirits and, and i'm not sure what bigfoot is i i'm i don't know i i swing back and forth on the pendulum that you know it's 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 an alien there's no way it could have all these properties you know all these right. sure
4: yeah you know
5: and then i know i don't really believe in aliens so you know like, i don't know i just have this pendulum swing constantly like I don't know what it is but it I just know it's high strangeness right mm-hmm. it's very strange yeah and it doesn't seem to fit any one mold
3: yeah yeah does some I, I feel very similarly about it so did the spirit stuff happen in this start happening in this same house
5: yes um so same age 12 or 13 I'm not sure our house was built by then so it's probably 13. I woke in the middle of the night, 3 a.m., it seems like the magic witching hour,
2: mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> from a dead sleep, wide awake and fearful, knowing that there was somebody in my room. And it was, I don't know if you have a dog or a cat, but it's like when you your dog or cat walks through your room, you can hear them walking on the carpet.
2: Yeah, No. yeah, yeah.
5: I would, could hear that in my room. Mm. Um, and then somebody said my name and I was frozen in fear. I was afraid to move because in my mind, I thought if it knows I'm awake, it will get me. (laughs) So I laid perfectly still and prayed over and over and over again. God, make it leave. Please make it leave. And it didn't bother me. I felt something sit on the end of my bed, but it didn't talk to me again and it did not touch me. And then at 5 a.m., I laid there stiff as a board um, until 5 a.m. And I heard my mom get up and start a fire. The fireplace is right above my bedroom. In the Pacific Northwest at 5 a.m. in the winter, it's pitch black outside. (laughs) Um, So I was brave enough to run upstairs. And I told my mom what had happened. And she told me something very interesting. She said, she asked me if I talked back to it. And I said, no. And she said, that's good. We don't, we shouldn't talk to them, talk back to them. And she told me that she had had an experience a lot like mine. And so had my two elder sisters.
3: Oh, interesting.
5: Yeah. And so I don't, she's like, I don't know what it means she's and then she talked to me because I mean we're I grew up in a very religious family and she's was saying, like, did you invite something in? And I said, I don't know even how you would invite it. And she's like, Well, playing with Ouija boards, or I'm like, I don't even I didn't even know what that was. Right. <laughs> um, you know, but she was trying to talk to me about, okay, so if you haven't invited it in, it probably was benign, but it didn't know my name. And so she said, maybe it was a family member. So I don't know. So, but I was afraid to sleep in the basement. And for a year, I slept on the couch upstairs where if something happened, I could call out and my parents would be there. Because Mm -hmm. when I was in the basement, if I yelled, there's no way they would hear me.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And that just happened the one time.
5: Yeah. That's yeah. And my adolescence. And I don't know if it's, I've read stories or heard stories about, you know, prepubescent Children having experiences, um, and some psychologists think it's all like hormonal, <laughs> and that somehow we can command elements and or. Right. I can, I can't explain. It. I don't I don't think that was the case. I don't think that's the case at all. But the veil has always been very thin for me. Um, I've seen my grandmother who has passed um, a couple times. She's spoken to me a couple times. Um, wow so i don't and my my little brother is the same he's he's seen her a couple times as well so i don't know i don't know if it just runs in the family because my dad has also <laughs> said um he he gets up at like four a.m he gets up really early and um i came down for breakfast i was in college and i came down for breakfast and i was talking to my and he said my mom came and saw me visited me today and i said she, i was like she did and he said yeah i was reading the newspaper and And I I felt like she was there and I looked up and out of the corner of my eye, I saw my mother and then she flooded away. And I just had this feeling like she just came to check on us and see if we were okay. So I don't know if it just runs in the family or what, but I've had multiple experiences, especially in my later
3: years. Is that next in order?
5: Yes. I've seen spirits, I guess you could say um, off and on, um, out of the corner of my eye. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, if I look at them, I can't see them, but if I just hold still, I can see them on periphery moving. It's very so...
3: interesting. I I don't know if you've, you've heard me describe the lights we see at site seven, for instance, that's how you pick them up at first from the peripheral. Mm-hmm. Now we, we, once you get them that way, you can focus on, you know, with the regular eyesight, but it's through the periphery that you'll pick them up at first. Someone told me that it's because, at night our, our uh, peripheral vision is actually better. So, hmm. but I don't know if that figures into spirits as well. You know what I mean? But it's, it's very interesting that there's that, that correlation there because that's how it you, is interesting. Yeah. That's how you see those lights. I mean, that, that's the, the way you'll pick them up at first, then you can focus in on. them.
5: My opinion on that, if you, if you care to hear it, sure. um, it's, it's religious. I'm, I'm, I'm a religious person. So it's kind of through the lens of Christianity, mm-hmm. but I've kind of always thought that because we only use a small percentage of our brain, that is the veil that is placed over our minds. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when we look at something directly, it's like our human body takes over and focuses on, you know, incorrectly on finite things. Right. Right. Um, But when we're not focused on a spirit or the spirit world we can see it out of our periphery b- because we're not um, focusing with our imperfect body <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe we're sensing it more with our spirituality or the um i don't know if that's making any sense no to you, it does
3: it's almost i mean it's not exactly but it's almost like the left brain right brain kind of thing right
5: right yeah, yeah, yeah i just
3: exactly.
5: yeah. i just kind of been of the opinion and it's not of course, like church doctrine or anything like that, right. right. I've just, I was kind of explained it that way. Um, so if I'm, if I'm looking right at them, it's like my, my brain takes over and the veil is thick and I cannot see them.
3: Yeah. The logical if, brain says no. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But
5: if I'm not focused on it, it's, I can see all of these other things where the, where my brain is not filtering them out.
3: Yeah. I mean, you know, basically answer who knows, but it's, certainly, right. you know, it's, it's as good a theory as any, yeah.
5: Right, well, that's just how I, who knows? Yeah, yeah. you're right, who knows? Okay.
3: <laughs> Puppies can be wild and crazy whirlwinds of destruction. They're also super cute. <laughs> but you probably don't want them destroying your house.
4: I don't think anyone chooses that, no.
3: No matter how cute they are. Let's say you get Department of Truth number 15, brand new, signed by the artist, and the puppy tears it apart. That's no good. You don't want that.
4: No. Destruction of personal property is one of the top five reasons not to get a puppy, I think.
3: But I know somebody that can help you with that. Whatever your puppy's doing, whatever problems they're having, whether it's mouthing and biting issues, potty training, fear and nervousness, barking... Chewing on furniture, shoes, or comic books they shouldn't be chewing on. Crate training, hyperactivity issues, lease training, and more. 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you and your puppy become perfect for each other. They have a relationship-based approach to training. Online sources like video lessons, a secret Facebook group, and one-on-one options are available. You can find them at SitHappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page they can help you understand how your dog thinks and apply proactive training methods so you and your puppy can become perfect for each other. Again, that's 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy. You can find them at sithappens.us. Fast forward to
5: nothing really significant happened you know i see shadows out of the corner of my eye not really scary um fast forward i get married to a military man i'm pregnant with our second child he's deployed and i am alone in labor at my house and i'd been in labor for a week it would you know it was terrible i would wow. start at like 4 p.m and it would go to like 3 or 4 a.m and it would stop and i wasn't making progress because the baby's head was not like down Mm -hmm. (laughs) my body was trying to go into labor but my cervix was not dilating because there was no pressure right
2: right.
5: um so finally after like four days of that i was so exhausted and i was sitting on like a exercise ball Mm -hmm. um, and i was laying my head against the side of my couch and i was talking in my mind to my grandmother, thinking about my grandmother, who is this wonderful, hardworking woman who grew up on a farm in the Tetons in a little shack with no heat, no running water. I mean, my dad didn't even have plumbing until he was 14 years old. Hmm. Amazing woman who had seven children in this little farmhouse. And I was thinking in my mind, talking to her, How did you do it? I can't do it. It's too hard. I can't do it. I'm so tired. And suddenly she was there and I could see her out of my peripheral vision, (laughs) like we just spoke about. Mm -hmm. Um, But more than that, she was speaking to me in my mind and she was telling me what to do. So she told me that I needed to go get in the shower and she told me, you need to run it as hot as you can stand and you need to stand in the shower. And turn it off when your contraction stops and then turn it back on. And so I would do that and it helped a lot. Um, and it got to the point later on when it didn't help anymore, when the labor was, had progressed and it was really bad. I was crying and I told her, I can't do it. It hurts too much. And she said, you need to call your mother-in-law. It's time for you to the hospital. And I was crying and I said out loud, okay, grandma, you know, <laughs> I, called, I called my mother-in-law and she, she came and got me and she was saying, why didn't you call me earlier? I would have been with you, but it was just, I'd been through it for four days and I just assumed it was going to go away again. So. Right, right. So that was a really good experience that I had.
3: Yeah. And everything turned out great yeah. for the kids and, and and all.
5: Yeah. Everything turned out great. Yeah. It turned yeah, out great.
3: good. Wow. That is So yeah, obviously I've never experienced labor, but uh, it's not fun.
5: (laughs) It's called labor for a reason.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, that's something. So, well, your mother in law was was nearby ish, but Mm -hmm. uh, you're essentially going through this alone. How young was your your other child at that?
5: Um, he was eighteen or yeah, seventeen months old.
3: Okay, yeah. So wow, that's going through it
5: yeah it, it was not fun, but it was a really good experience I had um, and I'm really grateful for my grandma. She's been around me a lot.
3: So you could see her physically through the you know peripherally Yes, I could feel like
5: somebody was there. I couldn't see her features. it was just like a shadow okay you know it wasn't like she wasn't manifested as herself
3: and could you hear her um, speak audibly?
5: It was just her voice in my mind.
3: okay, okay.
5: She didn't speak out loud auditorily Mm -hmm. it was just right in my head
3: but what she was telling you to do for instance to get in the shower that wasn't it's not like a doctor had told you that or anything this came from essentially her from from this right right i didn't i had
5: never i didn't hadn't thought of doing that Mm -hmm. so it was it was really helpful and she stayed with me the whole time which was really comforting
3: yeah hard thing to go through but a kind of a nice story to go with it
5: yeah, it was, it was, it's a really good experience. I wrote it down in my, in my son's, um, baby book.
3: Oh, that's fantastic.
5: Yeah. yeah I hope he, you know, I didn't want it to just go away, right? I it to right. be remembered. So yeah. I've had some experiences with some not so great, um, spirits. Just, be- I say that just because of the feelings they bring with them. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: A couple of years later, and this is really personal, but my husband has struggled with, Um, a pornography addiction turned to a sexual addiction for a couple of years and it's made our marriage difficult. We've made it through. We're, we've, we've, we're in a good space now, but for a time he was really struggling and I would wake up 3am routinely to people in our bedroom, Um, blacker than black, sometimes more than one. Sometimes they were standing on my side of the bed, and sometimes they were standing on his side of the bed. Sometimes I would wake up to voices, but most of the time I would just wake up wide awake. And it always happened around 3 a.m. And I would see people. And then it got to the point where I was, I grew angry. <laughs> and I would sit up to yell at them and say, Get out of my house. Ha- get the, you know, and I, I said some bad language, but I was like, Get out of my house. Leave us alone. And it would, you know, I'd wake up my husband and he, and he, it scares him because he's never had experiences where he's seen anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: So, um, but I, it would, they wouldn't leave him alone. They would not leave him alone. Um, one night, so, on my side of the bed, I slept on the left side of the bed, and right to my left is the bathroom door. and then a little like four feet down from on the wall is the closet. We had a walk-in closet. It didn't have a door on it. And I woke up in the middle of the night, and there was a man standing in the closet door, like right in the threshold of the closet door, and I could see him very well because the my son had left the iPad on the closet floor. And I had got a notification or something and it blinked on oh. and then it blinked back off. How weird. And when it blinked on, I could see the man standing there and I thought it was my husband and I sat up in bed and I was talking to him. I can't remember what I was saying. But it was like, probably what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I was asking him questions. I'm like, did you hear me? And he didn't respond. It was just standing there staring at the bed. And I look over and my husband is asleep beside me and it scared me. That's the first time it's really, really scared me mm-hmm. um, because it was so, it wasn't just a dark shape. It was a person like it looks like my husband. Mm-hmm. That's the only time that's ever happened. Um, but multiple nights in a row for weeks and weeks and weeks, my husband, he was battling his addiction. He was trying so hard. He was going through therapy. We, um, we were talking, you know, with our clergy, trying to help get help for him. He wanted help. He wanted to get rid of all of those terrible images and thoughts in his mind. Um, and a couple times I would wake up and I would see people, black shapes, leaning over him asleep while he was asleep and talking to him, whispering like like that. At first it sounded just like bees, you know, I couldn't really hear what they were saying. But then as it kept going on, I was able to understand what they were saying. They were telling him that he should kill himself
2: Oh gosh.
5: and that he was worthless and that he did not deserve me and that I would be better off if he was dead and that children would be better off if he was dead. And I would wake him up and I would tell them to get the out of my house and I'd wake him up and he wasn't having nightmares or anything like that. He didn't even know it was happening. He didn't even know it was happening. And then fast forward a month or two later, we'd had our third child and I walked upstairs and he was in the nursery and he was holding our son who was only a couple weeks old and he was sobbing. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, I love my family. I don't want to die. And then it hit me like, Oh my gosh, these entities they're pouring poison in his ears and it hasn't been falling on deaf ears. It's been subliminally absorbed and he's been having suicidal ideation.
3: Right. Right.
5: And that's not the first time he told me. And then he confessed to me that multiple times he'll be driving down the road and a thought will come in his mind that he should just drive off the road and kill, you know, like he should just drive off the bridge or drive into a tree because if you, if you look at it through a Christian lens, which I do, Satan doesn't want us to have a happy marriage. He doesn't want my husband to be healed. He doesn't want him to be whole and happy. So he's going to do whatever he can to disrupt our family and disrupt our lives and make him unhappy. Mm -hmm. So now, from now, ever since that happened, I think whenever I'm having bad thoughts about myself or about somebody else or whatever it is, I stop and I think, who is pouring poison in my ear? Like who is telling me these things? Um, Because they are real and I've seen it and I've heard it. And so I know it happens. I just think that there's angels all around us. There's Satan's angels. They're very invested in causing turmoil. And then there's good angels, you know? And so I just think we're surrounded all the time. I think the veil is keeping us from seeing them, but they're around us constantly, all the time.
3: No, I, I know some listeners are going to agree with you. Some are going to disagree. and That's you're, fine. You're mistaken. Exactly. It's absolutely fine. But when I talk to people... I allow them to interpret their own experiences. So I'm interested in your interpretation of it because we can always say, oh, it was this, it was that play that game where in the end, no one can really prove too much of anything, but they're your experiences. I'm interested in, in your take on them. So given that, and given what you mentioned earlier uh, about your, your experience when you were younger and your mother said, you know, did you in- invite this in? Is it uh, your understanding that these sort of, the, we'll just call them negative entities were, Invited in by your husband's activities and and proclivities?
5: Well, my opinion is, and it's just my opinion because I don't know. Right. But my opinion is that people who have passed on who have had similar issues want to hang around people who have those issues.
2: Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um,
5: That's my opinion. I don't know if it's true, Mm -hmm. but if you have an alcohol problem, And you die and you can't drink alcohol anymore, but you want to so badly, you still have the same urge. You're probably going to hang around people who are alcoholics. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know.
3: Right. Sure. Yeah.
5: I have no idea, but I, my husband who had all these bad experiences growing up, which led him into this addiction
2: Mm -hmm.
5: had a lot of a lot to a lot of hurdles to jump over and a lot of images to get out of his mind. I don't know if it's because those entities that I saw and heard were once living people <laughs> or if they were, I, I don't know what they were, Tim. I just, I'm just trying to make sense of it, you know? Sure.
3: And like yeah. yeah. There's, like I said, this, this is we're in no right or wrong answer territory. I, I'm interested in your perception, you know? It and, very well
5: could be because he w- invited them in through his activity into our home.
3: Mm-hmm. Or it could just be that... And, and by the way, by that, I'm not I'm not blaming him. You know what I mean? I'm not, oh, I'm right,
5: not, oh, right. I, I didn't yeah. take it that way. I didn't take it that yeah. way. And I don't blame them either. I,
3: mm-hmm.
5: I'm grateful that he has worked so hard to overcome his past. Mm-hmm. So I'm really proud of him. But I don't to answer your question, I don't know. Right.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
5: It's hard to say. And, I I mean, I can't say.
3: And at, you know, as you're sitting here, you know, telling me the story, I'm I'm wondering do we all have these shadows and and just some of us never get to see them, you know, uh you know, whispering these these bad things you know here and there it's a frightening concept you know it is frightening
5: but not too long ago a couple weeks ago in our new house we've moved since we've left that older home and that's you know that brings up another point because we were the fifth owners of that last house so who knows what people did in that house Mm -hmm. before we got there Mm -hmm. so who knows but um we've moved since moved and things are a lot better but the other day I saw somebody in my house and it was a completely different experience. It was a, it was somebody, it was a, like a bright light and that was the first time I had actually seen like features of a face. Um, there was blue eyes and blonde hair and bright light around it and then it was gone like within a second and it was really interesting. I don't, I didn't know who they were.
3: Right, right. Never,
5: I'd never seen that person before in my life. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: The figure you saw in the doorway of your closet, it looked like... Just a human standing there. Oh, for sure. Like
5: blood, flesh and blood, for sure. A hundred percent.
3: Yeah. That's, I mean, obviously more, you know, real quote unquote than, than a shadow person. That would be more frightening. I think.
5: Mm-hmm. Especially since I, I was speaking to it, <laughs> you know, I was like, I thought it was my husband. So I, that, that scared me more than anything.
3: Mm-hmm. Do you remember at all how it was dressed?
5: I don't. I don't remember. Um, It was lit from the iPad shining up. So Mm -hmm. it's like I could see its nose and I could see like the dark spaces where its eyes were. Um, I don't remember what it was wearing. It was wearing clothes.
3: I have to ask in case there was a flannel shirt involved, you know? (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know. No flannel shirt. So growing up or at any time in your life, did you have sleep paralysis?
5: I have once once we were driving in a van um, we were on a vacation um, and my neck was you know I was asleep in a car or you know a nice seat so my neck was like tilted to the side and I was woke up and I was conscious but I couldn't move my body and it took probably it felt like forever but it probably only took like a minute for me to jerk out of it but I was doing everything that I could to I remember telling myself okay one two three go one two three go right I had right. To get myself to jerk out of my out of my paralysis. And um, I did eventually, but we were
3: just driving down the road.
5: So you I think did, we're so in Canada, entities. actually. <laughs> there were no
3: entities or anything associated? No, none, none
5: that I saw. No. Mm-mm.
3: And About how old were you?
5: Oh, probably mm, 10.
3: Oh, interesting. Huh. So if you were given the chance and you were guaranteed it was going to be a perfectly safe encounter and, uh, you know, it wasn't going to run at you charging or screaming or anything, would you opt to see Bigfoot again?
5: I think I would. I think I would. Um, I would, I think I would enjoy seeing it uh, again, just, but like you say from far away or right, guaranteed right. to be safe. I do not like the feeling that I had a predatory feeling. Like mm-hmm. I did not like feeling like prey. <laughs> sure. Um, but, so I don't, don't want to relive that, but i I'm, I'm curious. I want, I want to see one again.
3: You know, I keep saying, I. you know, I've seen flashes of things and I think I've never had that. Definitely. That's it. You know, I saw it 100 percent. I, I keep saying I want that, but I I want it to be that very calm, you know, safe sighting. Right. I, I, but they don't ever happen that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I guess um, in your life, you're you are going to be one of these people that sees things for better and for worse. I hope going forward it's all for the better. I hope the negativity is behind you and and your family. And just going forward, I I hope it's all positive stuff. I hope it's all just grandma being nice. <laughs> me so
5: too. Thank you. <laughs> I really do. Um, you know, it's just I think it's kind of interesting. Someone like me who sees who has seen spirits, entities, whatever you want to call them, and then I've seen Bigfoot possibly twice. I don't know. It just makes me wonder: Is it a spiritual entity? Is it a you know a real living, breathing animal? Mm-hmm. It, it just makes me wonder. I just have a lot of question marks.
3: It's hard for me not to connect them, mm-hmm. and you know, I know, like as a, I'm a big fan of *Sasquatch Chronicles*. I, I love mm, the me show too, and and I love Wes, and but. I, You know, he's confided to me more than once that often he gets guests who who tell him Bigfoot stories and then tell him other stories as well. But Mm -hmm. his podcast is about Bigfoot, you know, so. Right. So we hear the Bigfoot story. So I don't think it's it's as uncommon as as people might think for people to have these these layered experiences where they, you know, they see Bigfoot here and then, you know, later on they have a, a ghost experience or whatever it may be. So for me, it's just it's so difficult to not see that they're related somehow. But I cannot tell you how they're related. Like I'm, right. I don't have that you know the, the rule book or anything. But it just they just feel somehow like related to me.
5: Oh, for sure. Me too. Um, I wonder if it's people who are like I don't think that I'm clairvoyant or psychic or anything like that. But I know that I am an empath, and I know that I have seen things, so I connect the two. And I don't know if it's just people like me or yeah, if it's anybody.
3: I, I'm very careful, you know, and, and I'm sure you've heard me say before I, I don't think anyone has superpowers. Right. I, mm-hmm. I think some people, you know, like I, I could just, I could always draw. I could draw. Like it's just something, a talent I had, you know, maybe as a gift. And uh, music wasn't the same for me. Music was something I had to practice and practice and practice. And still struggle with, you know, it, it just didn't come to me the way that drawing did. And I think maybe it might be a little bit like that. I think it's available to everybody, but for some people, it's just kind of there. And for other people, maybe, you know, you have to kind of push it a little bit and, and work at it and, and put yourself in these haunted places and stuff before something will ever happen.
5: Right. Yeah. I like that explanation. Yeah. I like that.
3: And again, I, I don't know, I you know, who the heck knows CJ, thank you so much for sharing your stories. Are you ready for some legs? (laughs) And nothing else. (laughs) All right, we're going to hear Jesse's story. Another one of these disembodied leg stories. I guess we're going to keep getting them. We're happy to get them.
4: When you run into them.
3: Ah, nice. Let's go ahead and hear about them. Okay, tonight we're talking with Jesse, who has a pretty strange thing she wants to share with us. You saw something walk across was it your grandparents' lawn?
6: Yeah. Uh some disembodied pants.
3: <laughs> now when you say pants, do you yeah, mean Yeah
6: like legs.
3: Yeah. So they had presumably they had legs in them?
6: I would assume so. I mean it was you know a pair a pair of legs and pants walking across the yard.
3: Wow. So as much as you're comfortable, you know, what year and where did this
6: happen? Sure. So um, I live in the D.C. metro area now, but I grew up in southwestern Virginia in the Appalachian Mountains. And this would have been about 30 years ago. Um, I spent a lot of my life living with my grandparents, who I call me mom, and poppy. So, if I refer to him, that's who I mean. Okay. Um, in a holler in southwestern Virginia. And this had to have been about, I'd say about 28 to 30 years ago. I'm not quite sure on, on the exact year. And I was probably about seven or eight, something like that. I had asked my mom about when it would have been specifically because I knew it was either Thanksgiving or Christmas. And she said it would have been Christmas, given the details. So... It was on Christmas about 30 years ago, 28, 30 years ago, because my uncles were home visiting. So that's the reason I know it was around that time. Gotcha. Because my uncles and their families was home at Memaw and Poppy's, I had to give up my bedroom, you know, so they could stay in there. And my grandparents, my Memaw had put me to bed in her room. For like early because the grown folks was going to stay up and play Rook and, you know, be grown folks.
2: Right. Yeah.
6: Their bedroom was on the front of the house. And I remember that year my dad had said he he might also come for Christmas. And so I was real excited. I kept thinking maybe he would show up. And uh, I hadn't been in the bedroom in the bed in their bed long. And the floodlight turned on on the front of the house and the dogs got started barking. So I stood up on the edge of the bed and looked out the window and I saw a, a it was a pair of pants <laughs> walking across the yard. It, you know, legs, it looked like, like colored jeans walking from down at the gravel where we parked at up towards the house. And I knew I wasn't crazy because the dogs were coming up alongside it and barking at it and the dogs was reacting to it.
3: How close it, did the dogs get to it?
6: Um, pretty close. I mean, it was close enough in the floodlight that I could see the dogs flanking it. I remember I wasn't scared by it or anything, but I was just really confused by it.
3: Yeah, yeah, I
6: guess and, so. And so I ran out of the bedroom into the living room where all the grown folks was at, and I was trying to tell them about it, and they thought I was lying. And so I got a whooping for telling tales oh. and got sent back to bed. And so, you know, growing up, I'm almost 40 now. I never really told anybody about it. And it seems like such an absurd story. It's absurd, you know? Like, who's... What even is that? Mm -hmm. That I never really thought to tell anybody about it. I just chalked it up to just one of them weird things. I mean, especially if you're from the Appalachian Mountains, weird stuff happens all the time. And, you know, that's just how it is. And then I remember, you know, that show... Uh, Paranormal—it's either all oh, the fact or fate show where they try to recreate paranormal stuff.
3: I, you know, there's so many paranormal shows; they all blend together for me. Yeah,
6: this one, this one was probably like six or seven years ago, and uh, they showed this clip of this that Fresno Nightcrawler.
3: Right. Yeah, I was going to ask you if, and, if that reminded you yeah, of what you saw. And
6: I remember when I saw that, I it like really shook me. Because it looked so much, not exactly the same, but I feel like in the mind of like a seven-year-old, the way you might explain something like that would be like a walking pair of pants.
2: You true? You know? Yeah, true.
6: And I just really was floored, and I felt like really vindicated, you know, because. I wasn't crazy and somebody else had not only seen something like this, but supposedly caught something like this on camera. And then, you know, I listen, I I know you like your podcast. I like this kind of, you know, content. And so a couple months ago I had been listening to a couple episodes and other people were talking about seeing these disembodied legs or pants or however you want to call it in different sets. And that made me feel vindicated even further.
3: Yeah, we've had probably four of them now, including yours.
6: Yeah, and, you know, I consider myself a rational person. I have multiple science degrees. You know, I work professionally as a science specialist. I don't discount the experiences people have, but I'm not willing to accept every single experience. But I know what I saw, and I don't have any explanation for it. Now, I will tack one thing onto it that... I remember in the same time frame, around the same time. So if you're looking out the front of the house, so we had tater fields. Okay. And uh, it was 23 acres of tater fields and pine trees and uh, like planted pine trees, not just wild ones. Gotcha. And if you were looking at the front of our house, there was this, we had this huge, huge, huge black pine on the right. And our lower tater field was uh, kind of behind that pine, like the pine hid it, kind of. And I remember around this same time frame, just, again, something I can't really explain, seeing this blinding, large flash of light that like lit up the whole holler that mm-hmm. somehow originated from some point behind that pine tree in what seemed to be in that lower tater field. And I note this because it was also something weird that happened in the same time frame, but that would have also been, that's the same direction that that disembodied legs or pants or whatever would have been walking from.
3: That's interesting. Yeah.
6: Um, like almost directly on a diagonal from that point. Yeah. So it wouldn't have been the same night, but I do remember it being in the very, in a very close time frame that that happened. And, You know, we all have weird experiences. My family has tons of weird experiences that they've told me. I particularly haven't really had a lot of experiences that I've considered unusual enough to hold them in my memory. But those two, especially the pants or whatever, that's all I know how to call it, has always just really stayed with me my whole life.
3: Yeah, they're so strange And you know when we started getting multiple people reporting them, I just they're so interesting, but they're one of those where you just where do we put this? You know where where do we put this? You know it's so strange. But once you know multiple people start saying they saw it, and we I didn't take the report, but I've come across reports of people seeing you know half a Bigfoot, you know just just the legs, right, walking as well. So yeah, it's so weird. It's so weird. And as far as you can recall it looked like normal pants
6: yeah it looked like a normal pair of human legs mm-hmm. as real as you you or i it wasn't translucent or nothing it was just a pair i get, i would assume a pair of legs in a pair of pants with no upper body now mm-hmm. i don't know i don't remember if there was any feet attached or not
3: mm-hmm.
6: but I mean, just as real as if you were walking across the front yard, but the upper half of your body was missing.
3: And do you remember, I, you know, these are a lot of details for as young as you were, but do you remember if it just kind of ended at the waistband or did it fade off?
6: I don't remember. Yeah. I, I, My sense is that it just ended. But, you know, I remember, all I remember is seeing it long enough to be really confused and like, You know, I didn't, like, rub my eyes like a cartoon or something. But, you know, being really confused and kind of, like, looking closer and just being like, what is this? Is this some trick of the light? But it's something I knew it was something that was there because the dogs was reacting to it.
3: Right, yeah.
6: And before it could even get up close, all the way up to... When I got down and I took off into the living room, it as far as I knew, it was still walking across the yard. I didn't sit there and watch for it to get out of my field of view. I took off to go in and tell them to get them to go out and look and see after what it was. So, you know, I don't know if it just disappeared or I don't know what happened with it. But all I know is I looked at it long enough to not know what the hell it was to know that it was something because the dogs was reacting, and to get down and go into the living room to get one of the my uncles to go out and see if they could catch whatever it was and figure out what it was.
3: And they didn't even look.
6: No, they just thought I was telling tales.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, you know, it It would have come up and knocked on the door, but no hands.
6: Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
2: Yeah, no. You know,
6: it's, yeah, it's just... Uh, I, I don't know. I always carried that with me, and and just and just wrote it off. And after having that reaction, where I went, and I wasn't a child that just told stories. I did not have a great imagination. I'm not one for fanciful thought, even as a child. And so to have that kind of, you know, well, you're making this up as a ploy to get out of bed, so you're gonna get a whooping and sent back to bed. I thought, you know, in my child's mind. You take that experience and you, with that kind of reaction, and you just chalk it up to, well, this is the kind of reaction you're always going to get. So right. I'm just going to file that away in my mind.
3: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
6: And then, so I think I probably was probably well, maybe 32, 33, 34. I don't know, something around that when I saw that first saw that Fresno Nightcrawler and it just hit me like a ton of bricks that it was so similar.
3: Yeah, I've I've often thought about those. And I don't know if that until you brought it up that I actually connected them with the disembodied legs, but it's uh, certainly something in common there.
6: I don't know. You know, I I just don't have any. I don't have any any understanding of what it is, and I can't even say that we partic. I don't think we had any kind of like hauntings or. It, you know, I mean, I'm not willing to say never, but I spent all of my childhood up in and out. By myself around them woods all times of the day, all times of the night, all over that property. I know that property like the back of my hand. I never had any kind of weird experiences like that.
3: Mm -hmm.
6: Otherwise, yeah. So, you know,
3: when you came back to the bedroom after you got sent back, did you peek outside again?
6: Oh, I don't remember. (laughs) I just remember that first part. I don't remember anything after it. So,
3: probably where they'd, you know, wherever they were walking to, they'd they'd well walked away by then but
6: uh, uh figure they made it to their destination <laughs>
3: <laughs> well it's very strange and very interesting and we'll just go ahead and add it to the list of uh, disembodied leg stories so thank you for sure. sharing jesse
6: sure no problem Yeah, you know, i've got other stories if you want to talk to me again they're not mine but they're my grandparents stories pretty weird so we'll oh tell i'd love you to
3: that. get them we'll, we'll have to schedule that
6: sure all right you take care you
3: as well been a while since we've done some owls. Yeah, that's true. These are long-eared owls, and it has a male and a female. It's actually got three owls on here, but where's that? That's four. I guess there's one in the background flying.
4: Oh, yeah, they're nice.
3: There's four long-eared owls. It's a stereo view. We've had other owl stereo views before, and they've been pretty popular.
4: These guys are super cute.
3: <laughs> so when I dug this one out of our secret stash of endless ephemera, I thought, what a good curiosity of the week. More owls. So appropriate to strange familiars. Certainly we get a lot of owl stories, and we hear a lot of owl calls when we're out on investigations. And Mike Cullen has that wonderful book, The Messengers, about owls. I really should have Mike on. I don't know why, at this point in the show, I haven't had Mike on.
4: Every time we've seen an owl in the last five years, we've thought of him. <laughs>
3: But this is a stereo view. I'm going to guess this is from, I don't know, the 1800s. There's, I don't think there's a date on it.
4: Yeah, it's it, there's a copyright of like 1870s or something, but it's post 1870. Then I guess is fair to say.
3: Okay, so we'll say 1870s probably. Mm-hmm. Stereo view photograph, tinted of owls, and there will be a image of this in the show notes. If you click on that, it'll take you right to our Etsy shop where you can purchase this. And other curiosities of the week and photos that Allison has started adding and the new prints and everything else at our Etsy shop, including Strange Familiars t-shirts and more. Speaking of Strange Familiars t-shirts, the long sleeve shirt is coming. We're still kind of working out the artwork and how it's going to be printed and so forth. It's a long sleeve shirt with a print on the front and the back and on each sleeve. So stay tuned. We'll announce it and plenty of time to pre-order it. We'll make a certain amount beyond the pre-order, but if you really want to make sure you get one in your size, you probably want to pre-order these. We'll announce it in plenty of time. We'll let everybody know. It's a Strange Familiars tour shirt. It says Strange Familiars High Strangeness Tour on the back, and it's got the locations of a lot of the places we've been on on on-site episodes. So It's got like Hex Hollow and Harry Springs and Pandemonium and Gazoo's Woods. All on the back. It's a lot of fun. I did new artwork for it. It's a Bigfoot in the graveyard on the back, and the front has an owl image. And then it says, strange familiars on one sleeve. And the other sleeve has the quote that opens the show from Philip Smith that people often ask, what is he saying? Well, you'll have it on your sleeve. <laughs> so I'm super excited about it. I can't wait for these to be ready.
4: I wonder if Philip Smith had would, – he wouldn't have had any inkling that – how popular he would have been with us.
3: (laughs) Well, you know, I I think about this sometimes. I think about that idea of the second death. You know, Mm -hmm. they say you die once, and then you die again when the last person who remembers you dies, Mm -hmm. and you're forgotten. I think a lot of these people were keeping their stories alive. Well, they've
4: resurrected. Like, So perhaps you've been dead for 40 years, and then someone resurrects you. Yeah, I mean, like these hermits. Like second death, you know. Like
3: some of these hermits... Who said their name, you know, in 100 years, some of these guys, you know, it's a pretty interesting concept. I do it with respect. I hope it's viewed respectfully, you know. So uh, Long Sleeve, Strange Familiars, High Strangeness Tour shirts coming, and Mugs, Strange Familiars coffee mugs. I did a limited run of those. They will be available sometime soon to probably in a month or so. They're actually in production right now. Those will be up on Etsy as soon as we get them. I will announce it on the show. We did a few. When they sell out, we'll probably do a different design. But the first mug is the uh, Awoken Tree logo in blue on a black mug. So look forward to those. While you're on Etsy, you can check out Chad's shop, Ruck Rabbit Outdoors. He's adding more stuff every day, lots of woodsman-y supplies and so forth. And our friends at Karmic Garden have soaps and scented candles and all that Awesome stuff, including Strange Familiars and Flannel Man Scents. Upcoming for patrons, we will have our revisit to Cudor State Park. Uh, Like I said, things got pretty when we went back. Chad and I will be talking about that. That'll be the first patron episode for January. It's coming up sometime soon. Maybe this week, maybe next, depending on when I get it finished. If you like the content we do and you want to help support Strange Familiars and get those extra patron episodes, you can become a patron at Patreon, patreon.com slash Familiars. There's all different tiers of support there, but no matter which tier you go in at, you get the extra content in the form of two full extra episodes of Strange Familiars every month. Patreon.com slash familiars. It's a great way to help the show and get extra content. Besides, we have over 80 patron shows right now, and we're adding more every month. Patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Anything to add, Allison?
4: I was just thinking about my tour shirt and how it would be like the couch and <laughs> the chair next to the heater. <laughs>
3: No scary places. (laughs) Nothing haunted.
4: And then antique stores, probably.
3: Yes. What would the image be? Oh, it would be Rachel Bond, probably, right? Yeah. If you don't know who that is, we will do an episode on her upcoming. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay warm, stay healthy, and we will be back soon with more Strange Familiar's. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Collar Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. You can hear more or purchase music by Stonebreath at stonebreath.bandcamp.com, where you can also purchase The Witch Cloud, Strange Familiars, episode 300. It's a multimedia project. It's an illustrated book. It's a podcast. It's an audiobook. It's more. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can join the Strange Familiars gathering group. We are on Instagram, at strangefamiliars, one word, and you can find us on the web where, Allison?
4: That's a trick question. We're not on the web.
3: (laughs) We're not. You can't find us on the web. Strangefamiliars.com.
2: two stars we gaze. Hear the throatless chant from the formless man. His eyes like fire blaze. His eyes like fire blaze. Touch his living hand, living touches the undead. Place the silver in the ground, where the stones have bled. Where the stones have bled. Where the stones have bled.